Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's Friday the 29th of December. I'm Jamie East and this is a look back at the biggest stories of September and October of 2023, including a horrifying attack on Israel, Rishi and his many U-turns, a Russell Brand shot documentary and Britney gets her revenge. Grab a cup of something hot, put up your feet and get up to speed on the seven biggest stories of the week. This is the standout seven from the Smart Seven. It's news, but not the news. October the 7th saw a terrorist attack on Israel which left hundreds dead and thousands more injured. The Palestinian militant group Hamas sent fighters across the border from Gaza into Israel, catching Israeli defence forces off guard and massacring hundreds of innocent civilians, including over 300 young people at a music festival. Hamas, the Islamist group, has controlled the Gaza Strip since 2007 and their conflict with Israel stretches back more than 30 years. Its charter calls for the complete destruction of Israel and eventual creation of an Islamic state in Palestine. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu addressed his citizens and formally declared war. Citizens of Israel, we are at war. Not in an operation or in rounds, but at war. Hamas launched a murderous surprise attack against the state of Israel and its citizens. The enemy will pay an unprecedented price. Israel struck back hard with airstrikes and amassing of troops on the border, prepared for an invasion of northern Gaza with the aim of exterminating Hamas as an organisation. The UN Security Council met urgently to discuss the ongoing war and called for calm and a de-escalation, with Lana Zaki Nuseba, the United Arab Emirates ambassador to the UN, speaking to the press after the meeting. Uh, what we need to lead to right now is uh, a ceasefire and uh, the resumption of negotiations down the line, but we're not at that state yet, as you can imagine. The attack on Israel attracted widespread condemnation from across the world, with Western leaders declaring solidarity with Israel, including Ukraine President Zelensky, German Chancellor Scholz, and Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau. UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak condemned Hamas in a press conference. I want to express my absolute solidarity for the people of Israel. Hamas and the people who support Hamas are fully responsible for this appalling act of terror for the murder of civilians and for the kidnapping of innocent people, including children. Flags on government buildings flew at half-mast the Monday after the attack as a mark of respect for the dead, and US President Joe Biden also lent his support to Israel. In this moment of tragedy, I want to say to them and to the world and to terrorists everywhere that the United States stands with Israel. We will not ever fail to have their back. Israel responded to the strikes by ordering a complete siege of Gaza, cutting off food, water and power. Hamas, in return, threatened to start executing the more than 100 Israeli hostages it still held if bombing of civilian areas didn't cease. James Cleverly, the UK's foreign secretary, declined to criticise the Gaza siege and said the UK stands with Israel. Israel 
has a right to defend itself against uh, attack. The UK completely supports Israel's right to defend itself proportionately. The truth of the matter is that this was a terrorist attack. Rishi Sunak was firmly backing Israel, calling out protesters who expressed support for Hamas. The police have been given very clear uh, guidance and advice from the government to do everything that they can to keep the community safe. I'll just remind everyone that Hamas is a prescribed terrorist organisation. People should not be supporting Hamas and we will make sure that we hold people to account if they are. As the death toll from the attacks in Israel continued to rise, Foreign Secretary James Cleverly visited sites in Israel on Wednesday and had to dash for cover when air raid sirens sounded. The UK's Defence Secretary Grant Shapps continued to back Israel even as residents of Gaza struggled to cope without power, food or water. Well, every country has to act within international law. That is absolutely right. Now, we support Israel's uh, right to defend itself, but they will be defending themselves by going after those terrorists. A week after the attacks, authorities were saying at least 1,300 Israelis died during the incursion and over 1,500 Palestinians had been killed. Residents of Gaza were running out of food and water and the Israeli Defence Forces warned over a million residents they needed to move to the south to avoid a potential ground invasion. Netanyahu hosted a press conference with American Secretary of State Antony Blinken and he warned of many difficult days ahead. This is a time, a particular time, that we must stand tall, proud and united against evil. Thank you, America, for standing with Israel today, tomorrow and always. September saw the major political parties holding their annual conferences, and it also saw a series of dramatic U-turns on previous policy decisions by Rishi Sunak. It started with two quite different views on climate change in mid-September, first at the United Nations General Assembly, where Antonio Guterres laid out his viewpoint. Humanity has opened the gates of hell. Meanwhile, at Downing Street, Rishi was busy rolling back the plans to get to net zero quickly, choosing instead to be one of those passengers who turn up at the gates of hell at the last minute. In his best concerned dad voice, he explained the government will reverse the ban on petrol and diesel cars until 2035, scrap proposed taxes on meat and flying, and giving people more time to change their boilers. It should be you, the consumer, that makes that choice, not government forcing you to do it. Because the upfront cost still is high, especially for families struggling with the cost of living. He says the UK can slow down because we're already ahead on green policies. But a Channel 4 poll says 40% of Tory voters are less likely to vote for the government if they don't take action on climate change. Green Party MP Caroline Lucas said it's a mistake. What Rishi Sunak is doing is electorally stupid as well as environmentally hugely, hugely damaging. This would be the biggest misstep of this Prime Minister, I would add probably of any Prime Minister in the last 20 years. The fallout from that U-turn continued when he made a big announcement about scrapping things like compulsory carpooling and households needing seven bins. The only issue is that none of those policies actually exist. The backlash was immediate and not just in the UK. Former US Vice President Al Gore spoke to CNN about his disappointment. The fossil fuel companies fight tooth and nail against anything that would reduce the burning of oil and they're much better at capturing politicians than they are at capturing emissions and you can sometimes tell when they've captured one. Rishi wasn't finished with the U-turns either as speculation began to mount that the HS2 project could be under threat. That's the high-speed rail line which was supposed to run from London to Manchester. 
The project's been under construction since 2020, but was first proposed in 2013 and has already been cut back several times as costs escalated. But it now appeared that the northern leg, which was due to run from Birmingham to Manchester, was to be scrapped entirely in an attempt to save around £35 billion. Manchester Mayor Andy Burnham was not happy. Why is it that people in the north are always forced to choose? Why are we always treated as second-class citizens when it comes to transport. This was the Parliament when they said they would level us up. Jürgen Mayer from Northern Powerhouse says that without the Northern Leg, HS2 becomes a massive waste of cash. We would end up with the most useless and most expensive piece of high-speed line in the whole of Europe. A small section of high-speed two going from Birmingham, not even to London, costing an absolute fortune. Five Labour Metro mayors met in Leeds to make their feelings clear that that northern leg needs to be built. Mayor of London Sadiq Khan said high-quality transport's necessary for levelling up. It's incredibly important for the West Midlands, the East Midlands and the uh, North. You simply will not get levelling up without investment in high-quality transport infrastructure. It seemed as though Rishi had been working really hard to shake off the inaction man nickname that Starmer landed on him a couple of weeks earlier. Since then, we'd seen a flurry of activity, rolling back net zero deadlines, firing ahead on a new oil field, proposing a scrapping of inheritance tax, and of course that HS2 drama. Even with no firm announcement, for reasons best known to himself, inaction man decided to do a round of BBC local radio interviews, and it went about as well as you might expect. Actually, what are the journeys that people use most? It's on in their cars, making sure that the roads are free of potholes. That's probably priority number one that people raise with me. People want to know about the future of HS2, and still now, you can't give me a yes or a no, and you're the man in control. As the Tory conference got underway, Tory Mayor of the West Midlands, Andy Street, had threatened to resign if the line was scrapped, even though there had been promises of other transport schemes with the savings. By Tuesday, Rishi was still refusing to actually admit to any decision, even under pressure from ITV's Robert Peston. Most people know that I'm across the detail of things, I do things properly and carefully, responsibly and sensibly, that's how I approach things, but I'm also willing to do things that are bold, that are different, as you saw on Net Zero. He insisted he was being cautious and practical and is trying to fix broken politics and do things in a new way. Wednesday saw him address the Tory conference on the main stage and for fans of high-speed rail, wasn't good news. I am ending this long-running saga. I am cancelling the rest of the HS2 project and in its place... We will reinvest every single penny in hundreds of new transport projects in the North and the Midlands across the country. Perhaps because it took so long to actually make a decision, the promise of investment in infrastructure for the North didn't calm things down either. In fact, the voices of protest only seemed to get louder, with former Prime Minister David Cameron joining Boris and Theresa May in condemning the cancellation. Cameron says it's a sign that the country's heading in the wrong direction, presumably south. The rail industry also weighed in, describing Rishi's decision as the biggest and most damaging U-turn in the history of UK infrastructure. Andy Burnham was infuriated, not just by the cancellation, but also by the week of willy-wonty dramatics that preceded it. I don't see how you can take a plan that goes beyond the life of any individual government, given it goes all the way through the country, how you can kind of take that plan and basically tear it up at a party conference. A video of Rishi explaining his rationale for cancelling the HS2 line was published, but it appeared to have been filmed in Downing Street before the conference, which would suggest all of the back and forth was just theatre. Rishi popped up on Radio 4 to answer questions from Nick Robinson about his decision to portray himself as the face of change after 13 years of Tory rule. 
This is about leadership. I've been Prime Minister for less than a year. The choice of the next election is between me and Keir Starmer. I'm the person that's doing politics differently. I'm the person making the big decisions that are going to change our country for the future. Mid-September saw Russian leader Vladimir Putin welcome North Korean leader Kim Jong-un to a meeting in Russia. Not surprisingly, given both men's odd relationship with Donald Trump, he was on Putin's mind as he spoke at the Eastern Economic Forum. It shows the rottenness of the American political system, which cannot pretend to teach others about democracy. Everything that is happening with Trump is the persecution of a political rival for political reasons. Putin also spoke out on Elon Musk, the Olympics and criticised Britain's assistance for Ukraine in advance of the meeting, which saw discussions around an arms deal for Russia and assistance for North Korea's missile programmes. General Lord Dannett said the situation's complex and China's role shouldn't be underestimated. China's quite a player in all this. It's always been China who has always given the impression that if North Korea gets too far out of line, China will put its hand on North Korea's shoulder. And the same, I think, is happening in the relationship between Russia and China. There was also a face-to-face meeting at the Vostokshny Cosmodrome in the Russian region of Amur, and King Jong-un was keen to back Putin's war in Ukraine. Russia is waging a sacred fight to defend its sovereignty, security interests and justice against the hegemonists. And we have always expressed full and unconditional support. Meanwhile, Ukraine was busy putting their new UK-supplied cruise missiles to use as they struck the Russian port of Sevastopol in September, claiming damage to a large naval vessel and a submarine in dry dock. There were more strikes later that week as they targeted an air defence system and the increased level of attacks on Russian territory seemed to be having an effect. Minister of Defence for the Russian Federation Sergei Shogu appeared hesitant about the prospect of a Russian victory for the first time. The counter-offensive has been underway for months now. We survived the spring and summer campaigns, and now the fall campaign has started. We have no other option but to win. The Ukrainian counter-offensive continued to make slow progress, but there remained hope of a significant breakthrough. In the meantime, Zelensky continued to entertain European visitors who bring messages of hope and support, including none other than Stephen Fry, who described his surprise at the resilience of the Ukrainian people. I expected all kinds of things, but I did not expect the most common thing I saw, which is laughter. I've met some people who've lost their limbs, people who've lost family, but all of them seem to have a united Ukrainian sense of humour that I think explains a great deal of your success in the last year or so. Home Secretary Suella Braverman headed to Washington at the end of September and she gave a speech on refugees at the American Enterprise Institute in a move that some saw as her opening bid to be the next Tory leader. The speech recycled some of the Stop the Small Boats rhetoric she's used before but escalated matters by claiming illegal migration poses an existential challenge to the institutions of the West. She said the UN's 1951 Convention on Refugees needs to be reformed and redefined. Where individuals are being persecuted, it is right that we offer sanctuary. But we will not be able to sustain an asylum system if, in effect, simply being gay or fearful of discrimination in your country of origin is sufficient to qualify for protection. Her speech was immediately condemned by the UNHCR and Amnesty International, who accused her of cynicism and xenophobia. 
Labour's shadow Home Secretary Yvette Cooper also condemned the speech and accused Braverman of trying to divert attention from the Tories' failure to process asylum applications. To try and target uh, lesbian and gay people is just trying to distract people from her own failure where she should instead be getting a grip rather than ramping up the rhetoric and focusing on her failure to tackle the criminal gangs. Labour's Annalise Dodds says they have a clear plan to tackle the backlog and resolve the issues here at home. We think it's really important that we've got a system that's fair and that's firm as well. We don't have either under the Conservatives. Still to come on the standout seven, Russell Brand in the spotlight and Britney gets a best-selling revenge. Right after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back. Saturday the 16th of September saw Channel 4's Dispatches broadcast an explosive documentary which focused on actor and presenter Russell Brand. He was accused of rape, sexual violence and abusive behaviour by four women. The alleged assaults took place during a seven-year period between 2006 and 2013 when Brand was at the height of his fame. Here's one woman voiced by an actor describing her alleged experience at Brand's house in 2012. The door was unlocked. I just walked into his place. He comes running out of the bedroom naked. He came at me with kisses and stuff, which was kind of fun. And then it wasn't that fun when I couldn't move. The Met Police initially said they hadn't received any reports related to the allegations and urged victims to come forward. Brand denied all claims against him in a video he posted in advance of the documentary. The relationships I had were absolutely always consensual. I was always transparent about that then, and I'm being transparent about it now. And to see that transparency metastasized into something criminal that I absolutely deny makes me question, is there another agenda at play? The Monday after the show landed brought a series of cancellations for Brand. His tour was postponed, his book publisher paused all future projects, and he failed to turn up for his regular video broadcast on Rumble. Caroline Noakes MP, the chair of the Women and Equalities Committee, said there needs to be a proper and detailed inquiry. Well, I think very clearly there needs to be a criminal investigation. These poor victims need to be supported and encouraged and empowered to go to the police and take them through a process that needs to be supportive of them. Lorraine Hegacy, former BBC One controller, says it's incredible Bran was allowed to act the way he did on radio and television for as long as he was. There just seems to have been a lack of senior editorial oversight over what he was doing. Nobody seems to have stepped in at any time to say enough is enough. And, you, you know, the results are plain for all to see. After 146 days on the picket lines, the Writers Guild of America finally reached an agreement with the studios and streamers on September the 24th. It's a three-year deal that the negotiators on the writers' side were calling exceptional. It included new rules which say AI can't be used to write scripts, better minimum pay rates and a commitment to more transparency on streaming numbers. 
The end of the strike saw late-night TV shows like Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon back on screens within a week, although the Screen Actors Guild remained on strike. Even before the final vote was completed, the mood was celebratory, with Olga Lexel, who's written for Cobra Kai and the Umbrella Academy, delighted at the news. I mean, I literally feel like we just won the Super Bowl. I've never been this excited in my life. I alternate between crying and laughing hysterically. Um, I'm just so excited to get back to work. <laughs> October saw Britney Spears release what'll probably be the biggest Christmas bestseller. No, it's not a new version of Let It Snow, it's the first volume of her autobiography, The Woman in Me. Almost immediately, it made headlines over her relationship with Justin Timberlake, their decision to have an abortion, and a cold-hearted dumping by text. She's having her revenge, though, served ice cold, as she described how Justin just wasn't cool. Oh, and in case you're wondering, the audiobook's read by Oscar-winning actress Michelle Williams. One day, Jay and I were in New York, Walking our way was a guy with a huge, blinged-out medallion. Jay got all excited and said so loud, Oh yeah, foshes, foshes, genuine, what's up, homie? You've been listening to The Smart 7. We'll be back tomorrow at 7 a.m. Hit that follow button and have a great day. Give us seven minutes and we'll give you the world. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.